Everyone knows how to play poker. 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 But do you know how to play poker well? Well, get ready to talk poker strategy with the people who run the games. Hear interviews with the stars. Get information on when to play, where to play, and how to play better poker. 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 This is Poker Action Live, a weekly poker show with your hosts, Big Dave Lemon and Joe Rodriguez. Big Dave and Joe, another show. Thanks for joining us here on Poker Action Line. Uh, we do appreciate it and hope you'll stick around for the entire show. Uh, no guests scheduled tonight. I guess that's kind of the going trend right now. It's just really tough to try to line up some people. But me and Joe will talk poker as usual. Of course, the uh, the election was last weekend, or last week's show, I should say, uh, last Tuesday. And... Uh, we didn't really find out. I guess we found out Saturday finally who won. Uh, you know, well, a lot we, of people we still knew don't believe before. it. We knew days before, but uh, somebody's going to have to be taken out, uh, dragging and kicking, it looks like. It does look like it. And, uh, you know, I, I, I'm i not surprised at what Trump's doing with this. But uh, he, he told us he was going to do this. Yeah, back in July. I mean, he's very transparent about that stuff. The thing that really bothers me is. You know, and you figure Barr is going to support him in every moment and Pompeo and Marco Rubio and all those people, McConnell. <clears throat> but it just seems to me there's just a complete lack of courage out there. And nobody wants to stand up and say anything. And I, I he you has know, had some people in his party yeah, tell him that. Sure. But, you know, listen, uh, I, 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 I believe they just don't want to get into the damn Twitter war and, and all the all the garbage that he's going to give everybody. Uh, whoever says, hey, listen, it's time for you to, to just say goodbye gracefully. Uh, I don't know if you guys have seen this, but did you hear John McClain's uh, concession speech? John McCain, speech? yeah. Uh, yeah John McCain, they... excuse me. John McCain's concession speech to Obama. Uh, that's what a classy That's what a classy man and, and George uh, George Bush Sr. George H.W. Bush, with, yeah. With left, a, left a letter. I mean, you know, Clinton. listen, you, you have your differences. We, we know you're on different difficult different spectrums of the political you know uh spectrum but you know listen we have to respect what we've done in this country forever and uh you know whether you're a republican or a democrat doesn't matter to me it's hey it's done go okay he wants to wait until they till they what is that certify the elections which is right. supposed to be coming very soon once that's done it's time to shut up thank thank all your supporters thank the american public uh, you know, I hope I help better some people's lives and I'm going to try to make this transition as smooth as possible for president elect Biden and just go on from there. Try to leave with some class. Well, I don't believe we're out of the woods yet. Uh, Joe Costello's our uh, resident uh, political expert. And uh, uh, we have, still have all the stuff with the Electoral College. And we've been talking about that for weeks and worried about that. Uh, do you think we're in for a disaster, Joe? First of all, uh, resident political expert deserves a bump in <laughs> salary of some sort. I didn't realize. <laughs> I didn't realize. Uh, you know, I don't know. I don't know what to think. There's been so much noise associated, and I have so many friends that are really hardcore into the whole Trump experience. And when I talk to them and I express concerns about normalcy of our democracy, right? Like, this is the way it always has been, and this is what's good for national security. Seamless transitions where the new administration knows all the details so that they can keep us safe. They say, well, Trump has never been the normal guy, and that's why we like him. 
But then I say, but yeah, in this situation, what do you think's happening? And so far they've said that he's just blowing off steam, that he has to look like he's fighting to keep his people uh, he into He doesn't want to look like a loser. He, well, he wants to look like he's fighting because there's a lot of people that be- believe it. And while most of them don't, they, the ones that do, they want to see him fight to the very end. They love him because he's a fighter. And so even this, when he's fighting against his own country in this case, they they like that. And so, But what I have been reassured by several that are supporters is like that he's going to go. Like he's going to go. Uh, it's just <clears throat> it's going to be with a big spectacle. Uh, I think it actually does him unfortunate uh, a, a negative to his legacy because yeah. even in losing, there are a lot of people that were saying like, hey, man, this guy did some really good things and maybe he was needed at the time and he shook up Washington and, you know, he got well, things on track. And if he had just conceded and walked uh, out, there were a lot of people who, you know, 10 years down the road would have been like, man, Trump was a great president. Look what he did. And by doing this. He's embarrassing a lot of people. He's damaging himself. And um, and I think that's unfortunate. But ultimately, it's another test, right? Like, yeah. what happens if, if somebody doesn't want to go? Like, what actually happens? And we're so lucky to get to see it. Again, we're not living in normal times. We get to see this crazy <laughs> stuff. Like, what will happen if he refuses to go? What's uh, the protocol? The Army, the army will, will on, at 12.01 on January 20th, will drag his ass out of the White House. Uh, yeah. You know, and how bad I'm, I'm would still that not be? Sure of that. And how bad would that be for us to see? Well, there's a report yeah. that the Pentagon uh, top officials have been fired and replaced by loyalists, but it ultimately listen, listen, somebody Joe will have a nice little talk with him if it even gets close to that time frame and says, "Buddy, you're you're looking at going to jail," you know. And this guy, he set himself up for this, you know. Yeah. He's like you said, Joe. Whether we needed him, whether he, you know, whatever he did, however you feel on, on the, which side of the fence you fall on, you know, it, it doesn't matter. But when you sit there and, and at your political rallies, you go, the worst ever presidential candidate. I can't lose to the worst. E-. So if he lost to the worst ever presidential candidate, what does that make him? Well, well it just I just want to go back to Obama when Obama first came in that they uh you know, they were set up to make it a horrible time for him, said, we're going to make this guy a one term president. And uh, he was never able to really get too much done because they fought him on every turn. And it's going to be even worse than this. In fact, it's uh, there's not even going to be any kind of easy transition because he's blocking and he's just so vindictive and, and nasty that, uh, you know, it's just ridiculous. I, 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 I'm not looking forward to it. I, I always think about. You know, honor and integrity. And uh, one, there's hundreds of examples in movies, of course. But I remember, uh, I think it was Dragon, the Bruce Lee movie. He gets in that, you know, kind of a fight to the death with uh, another guy. And he, uh, you know, he has the guy beaten. And he goes to the guy, do you yield? Do you yield? And the guy goes, I yield. I yield. And he yielded. And then when Bruce turns his back, the guy attacks him and, and kicks him in the back and everything. There's, yeah. there's always that character that is willing to go against what we would consider like honor or integrity, right? Like this is the way we do it. Okay, but yeah. now I'm going to not do that. And I really hope that we're not about to see that at the highest level here. I think it would be troubling. I think it would damage the country. It would certainly damage our national security to have that kind of infighting going on. People who support him because they like him 
you know, pushing the argument oh. and saying, oh, he's the real president and, and this guy's not the real president. Like if that were to happen, listen, Joe, you're the guy who has the most personal knowledge to what it is like to have a country taken by someone who is not rightfully deserving of it. And well, what the heck well, is that well, like? Uh, luckily for me, I'm a I'm a first generation American born here, but uh, but uh, but obviously of Cuban descent. And having heard the stories from from my family. parents and from yeah. my uncles and everybody else, and um, you know, and, and it's funny. I don't know if you knew this, Joe, because you know, obviously with the things that are going on now today, I was reading that one of the big problems is when there's a president elect, usually he's he starts getting briefed in very quickly on the quote the daily president's briefing, which addresses all sorts of, I would imagine, security and issues around the world that none of us as citizens are privy to. That's why we elect the president. And being that this is the man or woman that will be making the decisions going forward, you know, and he's not being he's not being courted that that respect, you know, given that that information. And, you know, I'm, I'm curious to see from other presidents if somebody could say, hey, listen, we need him to be in on these on these meetings. This is how it's always been. Yeah. Well, listen, uh, we could do a whole show on this, but that's not what people tuned in for. So uh, let's get back to poker and uh, the effect of the elections. A couple of things I wanted to run past Joe, which I thought, um, you know, were interesting. And one is uh, the vote in Colorado. Uh, There was a vote to change the uh, uh, they used to have a hundred dollar limit on on the gambling. And uh, they have several casinos and they've had it that way since 2008 and so they want to open that up and there was a uh, an amendment called amendment 77 that allows citizens to decide if they want to re- increase or remove betting limits on the casino games including poker uh, my question to you is how big a deal is that hundred dollars is uh it's, it's me it's- I, I don't i wouldn't buy in for more than a hundred dollars ever probably okay let me explain that's a great question because we actually had a very similar situation here in the state of Florida, Dave, um, going back to the mid-2000s. Um, and I would imagine it was probably right around that same time that you're mentioning that Colorado had that $100. The $100 is huge if you're playing casino games. Because if you can't go over $100, the casino is just going to grind you to a halt. I mean, just completely grind you. Now, if they don't allow people to buy for more than $100 at any time, which was the case here. When, I don't know if you remember that, Dave, mm-hmm. you know, but it was $100 max buy-in. It was the one-two, no limit, okay? But so how did they get around that? Well, it was very simple. You know, you'd have five, six people going all in on the very first hand, you know, automatically, just so that someone could get six, seven, eight hundred dollars $800 in their stack. And then everybody else would rebuy. And sooner or later... They weren't even that transparent. You understand that instead of cashing out four or five hundred dollars in chips, they would they would keep all of those chips in their pockets. You know, color them up into hundred dollar chips, single chips. The next day they'd come in for a hundred. You know, you can't have a supervisor there the whole time. Uh, dealers are supposed to police this and stop this, but they're earning their tips from these people. So you know, little by little, everyone just started adding to their stack. And claiming that they won the money from the other people, you know, it was kind of a wink, wink. Uh, let's turn our you know, blind eye to it, and that's what happened around the whole state of Florida. 
you know, and again, I, it, what amazes me, Dave, is that, you know, the state doesn't have intelligent enough people or people who have enough to say, this is such a stupid, you know, stupid law. Let's just open it up, which they did a couple of years later. So, you know, it it's a big law, but you could definitely get around it if you have to, Dave, especially on the poker side. On the casino side, there's no getting around it. There's no getting around it if, if they're playing blackjack or whatever other table games they're allowed to bet over there in their casinos. You can't get around it because it's easy to see there's a $100 limit that you can bet on an individual while you could win a couple of hundred even if you were following the rules strictly. Um, and within a couple hours, you know, you're going to have everybody at the table with hundreds of dollars in front of them. Well, it did pass, and uh, people might be wondering. Uh, I thought that they had a lot of COVID problems out there, but they they do have some casinos open in Blackhawk, Colorado, uh, Caesars, Penn National, Monarch. Uh, they also have uh, a few other tours that play out there, and they have uh, Ameristar Blackhawk in, in the Isle Casino out there. Uh, that reopened back in September. So this will be coming in soon. They don't really know what the exact effect is going to be, but uh, it sounds like a matter of it's what the people want, and uh, it's about time that they actually get it on the books. Yeah, it really is. It's, uh, I know that they've had it where I, they used to only have a $5 table, you know, in Colorado. I don't know, like you said, when you mentioned the $100, I, it's ridiculous as a, as a casino gambler. There's no reason for you to do that. Card, well, it kills card counters. You'd never be able to do it as a card counter. Yeah. You can't increase. But as a regular player, you, you have no shot. If you're down $200 over the course of a couple of hours playing just very late, you have no shot of getting those $200 back unless you're allowed to bet $50, $100, $200 in one hand and just say, hey, I'm going to double it up, lose $400 or, or, or break even. And, you know, and, and that's only to the advantage of the casino. What is the uh, limit now uh, at a poker table? What can you buy in for at a poker table now? I know it went to three hundred from the one hundred, and then whatever uh, you want, it Dave. Whatever you want, okay. Whatever you want. We've got private games that come in that the minimum buy-in is five hundred or 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 I mean five thousand. I've dealt at, at games in Dania. They had that one game once that a bunch of the players that actually played were playing at the island at that time came over to play that that late early afternoon. And uh, the buy-in was, I think it was fifteen or twenty thousand. Wow! So everybody at the table had to go to the cage because you got to do the CTR reports on them. Um, you know, the, the state of Florida now, as far as, as as that is concerned, there are no restrictions. It's whatever restrictions you, as a house, want to put on them. Well, you think that you would think that some states like this would look at how other states dealt with this here in Florida. We started with those quarter 50 cent games, I think, in 1997. And it wasn't until, I think, 2010 when the handcuffs came off and we were able to start having tournaments. So that's 13 years. Uh, why does it take so long? Well, no, not 2010. We actually started having bigger tournaments. We started doing the Indian-style tournaments, if you remember, because Dania actually got a very good reputation as a tournament room. As a sit-and-go sit place. Sit-and-go, plus they had regular multi-table tournaments. We were under they they were following the restrictions that the Mikasuki and the Seminoles were using back then with the quarter fifty cents. Once they took the quarter fifty cents off, Dave, we were able to run tournaments any which way we wanted to. I don't know if you remember at that time, um, but our good friend Noah uh, up up at the aisle. I mean, excuse me, up at Palm Beach Kennel Club, 
I had just finished building up that second room for the tournament. Right, all right? right. And and I had coincidentally met with him maybe about a month and a half before that. I had driven up there to do something for somebody uh, that we both know that wanted me to get some information. I went up there, sat down with Noah. He was telling me how much money they were making. We even discussed the machines because they were one of the first ones to use the Shuffle Master machines and how much is it really you know, big of a difference, blah, blah, blah. And he goes, oh, I just made this room. Literally, like, four days after I was up there, they opened it up. I got a chance to speak to him again. And he goes, damn, I freaking did the, the tournament room, and now nobody wants to play tournaments because now you were, you were able to play poker for, for real cash. And, and people wanted it to go that way. Um, Dave, let me tell you something. Atlantic City, for many, many, many years, did the exact same thing that we do here in Florida, that the casinos here in Broward and Dade are only allowed to go 24 hours on the weekends. Atlantic City was the exact same. They would close at 4 in the morning. Tell me where that makes any kind of a sense to anybody. I mean, you know, and eventually they did it. I'm assuming that we will eventually do it too. I, I, I don't know why they fight it tooth and nail because they don't want to turn themselves into, quote, you know, the Vegas of wherever they're from. But uh, it it makes absolutely no sense to the industry, to the people who like to play in it. It it really doesn't. Well, you, uh, you know, obviously you... uh... Uh, these politicians feel like they're protecting people from themselves. They are under this misguided uh, option that they think they can save society or something like that. Well, Dave, let me tell you something. I, and I, that's a very noble cause for politicians to have. That's what we, that's why we elect our, our elected officials to, to protect us, to watch over us, to, to make sure that people are doing these things. My, my only question to them is why don't they talk with gamblers? Yeah. They talk with the people that I have been involved in other states and doing all of this stuff. And there is, I haven't received one answer from a common sense point that has ever made any sense to me because I'm on both sides of the fence. I was, a, I've been a gambler for most of my, my, since I was a child, actually, I've been gambling. I've been going to Atlantic city since I was 18 years old. Cause I was the legal betting age back then. Um, it doesn't make any sense, Dave. It yeah. really doesn't. And they don't sit down with gamblers to, to kind of get no. They sit down with people who are in the industry, people they get from other, other states that are looking to move into their states. And being that they don't educate themselves and they don't hire people who are from the industry themselves, they have no clue. For the most part, they have absolutely no clue on how to properly govern um, you know, casinos in general. Joe? To your point, and this is a, a you know a voice of ignorance. I've I've always heard that. Like, okay, so how do you answer the question? People are going to gamble away their rent money, their kids' food money. They're going to stop shopping at the local ice cream shop because they're going to give it to the casino. They're not going to go to the hardware store to buy wood for their roof, and instead they're going to let the water come in the roof because they've gambled it all away. Like when people said that, and I've heard that a million times. It doesn't make sense to me. Because I think that's just grossly irresponsible and animalistic. Like, these people have families and wives. One out of a hundred maybe has such a degenerate-style problem that they might do something like that. But how do you answer that? Like, when you say ask gamblers, yeah, how do you answer that? And now I'm going to give you, because I have seen it firsthand. And it's very, for someone like myself, who I, I, I know God gave me a heart. 
and I care about people, that I'm compassionate about people. I have actually sat tears coming down in my eyes to tell people stop gambling. Okay. Uh, I've, I've seen it from both ends, from people very close to me who gambled when I was a gambler uh, to being on the management side and everything else, Joe. Okay. And there is no, it's like, okay, what happened? Here's my, my, my simple answer to you. Did prohibition stop people from drinking? No. So what did prohibition do? It caused it, it to go it, underground. It, it allowed the uh, the underworld and for the seedier side of 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 that to get more powerful because they were they were willing to take the risks to provide something that the general public wants. And, and we let just me keep tell you, making something. these mistakes over and over and over. And, and, it's, and it's amazing our politicians because of a small, strong group of people who like to voice them whether it's the religious right or whoever it is, okay? Like you said, Dave, we have constantly done this. Right now it's going on with us with the Internet, okay, with the Internet. Instead of getting tax dollars and getting benefits out of it, no, they went this way because we had a couple of moronic uh, politicians who decided this this was bad for everybody else. Don't they realize, listen, when it was just highlighted, the people who govern us, Joe, okay, think about this. This is how hypocritical they are. The people who govern the casinos, okay, are our biggest competitors for gambling dollars, which is the state. Which because is the lottery. The biggest, the, exactly, sir. The lottery, the, the, the pick three numbers, okay? This, you know, the, which, which you have no that. chance to win. How about, you know, how would you like to be Burger King and the person who sets rules for you is McDonald's, who's your biggest competitor in selling hamburgers? It doesn't make any freaking sense, okay? And and no matter how much you talk to them, you know, like I said, I've you know said this on the show many times, you know, the the, the stuff that comes out of people's mouths up north, and you know, when I've been to Tallahassee, leave me completely dumbfounded that holy shit, these people are actually in office, and these people are actually supposed to be representing us, and they don't have a freaking clue as to how any of this actually works. Okay, because the people that they've asked are people that know that they just want to hear this one particular instance. And getting back to your question, Joe, real quick, you can't combat that. You understand an alcoholic, a gambler, a drug addict. Okay, until they want help. I don't give a damn what the three of us on this show do. We can devote the rest of our lives to, to trying to solve, make sure that no one loses their family, their life savings puts their family, their, themselves in harm's way until that particular person wants help, Joe, they, you, you can't give it to them. And by denying access where, where we can control what they're doing at the tables, what's going to happen? They're going to go somewhere else. Right. They're going to go to, they're going to go to a private game. The Sopranos. Somewhere else where there are no rules where people do, are predators. They don't give a damn about you, how you are. All they want to do is grab you by your ankles, turn you upside down, and when the last dollar bill falls out, that's when they tell you to go home. The guy and lost those, his. And those games are not safe either. That's the thing. Exactly. That sort of, uh, the guy exactly. lost his, his sporting goods store to, to Tony Soprano, and then he, his kid had to give his forerunner to Meadow. It was horrible, and, and that was that's and a perfect it example. it doesn't matter, Joe. And, and let me tell you something. You know, um, one of the I, I found this out because in the casino, Dave, you know this. You've had to take those classes right from the state. Yeah, uh, you know, money laundering, money laundering. And, and and the very first time they ever did that, the lady who gave that, God bless her, she went into quite a detail. 
I didn't know this. She asked us a general question. I'll ask you guys. What do you think the strongest drug in the world is? Do you think it's alcohol, uh, cocaine, heroin, uh, opiates? Uh, what, what do you think it I'm is? I'm going with nicotine. Nicotine. Okay, yeah. Dave? Yeah. Slot machine. <laughs> <laughs> but you're closer, you're closer to it than Joe is. Yeah. It's, it's the adrenaline that we produce from the high of gambling. It's the strongest desire. Okay, yeah. of any other drug and the euphoricness of that. And, you know, I have been on the wrong end of that, guys. I had to outrun a New Jersey State Trooper, not on purpose, and I did it on purpose, but when I used to gamble football on Sundays, I was just newly married, just so you understand how strong this is. And I could not miss putting in my parlays and my teasers on Sunday. And we were up in the Poconos. I was on Route 80 coming back home when I realized no cell phones back then. Oh, my God, it's quarter to one. I got to get to a payphone. For those out there who are very young, payphones is how we used to make phone calls. <laughs> but, but I swear to God, guys, I was flying. All I could see was next exit, two and a half miles, and I had to find a payphone. And I was just flying when I literally passed a New Jersey State Trooper giving a ticket to somebody on the right side, which is where I was. My wife screamed. Took me out of the train. I'm telling you, I was in a trance. I did not. I, I rode right past him doing about 110 miles an hour. Did not, did not even realize that he was there until my wife's screen broke me out of it. He gave the ticket. He's running back to his car. I speed up because at least at this moment, I go, I'm going to go to jail if I get caught. Got off the exit, pulled in behind a gas station, hid behind it where he couldn't see me. Literally 30 seconds later, you hear, Woo! the guy went by. My heart, guys, was in my mouth. I thought I was going to have a heart attack at the age of 23 years old that I was at that time. But now, you love, but you love, now ask, love, me, ask love, me if I placed my bets. Did you yeah, place your bets? You love the Packers. <laughs> I placed my bets. Did you okay. win? I, I did. I won three. I had four, uh, four teasers and I won three of them. So I wound up winning almost $1,000. Okay. But, and then I drove for like the next 15 miles through side streets until I got back on the highway. And I tell that so people can laugh, but that is, that is an example of how I swear to God, I, I would never, ever do that. I've never done that. I've never done that type of speeding. And I literally passed the police officer probably a few feet from him doing. When I looked down, I was doing 110, 150 miles an hour on Route 80 to get to the exit to place my bet. Wow. Crazy. Let's hope so, the statute yeah. of limitations has expired. I think you're safe. I, I didn't tell them. I didn't tell them what you, what month or what or what time it was. All yeah, they know is it's a Sunday. Yeah, quarter exactly. to one. Well, let's move on. There's one other thing I wanted to run past you that I saw. Um, FanDuel, who was the uh, DFS site and has now expanded into casino gambling and really is one of the major players, uh, they've entered an agreement with a company called Evolution Gaming. Um, and they want to offer what's called uh, live dealers in their uh, in their games. So actually, what they do is they uh, they film some of these dealers and they uh, use pictures of them and and, and film with them in part of their games. Is that to you an important thing? Okay, you, now you told me live dealers. In what respect are they using these dealers? Because I feel like I, either I missed something in, in your explanation or something. In what respect? To what? To poker? To play Well, poker? let's see. It's, it is in poker and other, uh, other casino games. Let me see exactly uh, uh, what apply, applies to. 
they call it a reasonable alternative to brick and mortar casino play digital interfaces like an online casino game, but they replace the computerized random number generators with live streamed footage of real human dealers to provide a casino experience. Okay. Well, for some people, this is very big. This is similar to what I saw on my last trip to Vegas a couple of years ago where, uh, they had a live dealer being filmed, you know, so they would have multiple tables where you're actually watching this person and some of them were behind the dealer. Some people could actually see the dealer, but you're a little bit of a distance away. You're not sitting at the table, which allowed multiple players to choose a seat. Like, let's say you're superstitious and I always want the second seat from the rail. You know what I'm saying? Um, allowed them to do that. And if I'm the dealer, you see me pulling the cards out of the shoe or out of the shuffle master, let's say, uh, I know they were using this for, for Blackjack and for Baccarat, if I, rem- if I remember correctly. Right. Um, and, yeah, it was pretty cool because I see a dealer dealing. No one's sitting where the dealer is, right? And then I look and I see 30, 40 people in a stadium scenario. And, um, you know, I said to myself, oh. And so I asked one of them. They go, oh, they're all playing with this one dealer. It allows us to have one dealer but service 25, 30 different uh, customers, and they're all playing whatever seat number they want there. So if the dealer's not dealing 30 hands, he's just dealing to six spots, but you and I could both be playing X amount of dollars on, on seat five, let's just say. Yeah. Uh, so it, it, it looked like it was quite successful in the two or three casinos that I actually witnessed this in Vegas, uh, but I haven't been back. I, you know, I'm not privy yeah. to that information. Yeah, there are people that are very superstitious, Dave. I'll give you an example. The DP games that we deal in at our place. Right. You the, have you the have player, player bank games. Right. The designated player. So um, for, for our listeners out there. So if you're the first player at our table, we have set a rule in our room that you, you're, you are going to decide while you're at that table, since you were the first one to sit down to play, whether you want the dealer to hand shuffle or to do machine shuffle. Okay. Now, the company wants machine shuffle because obviously you, you, there's very little downtime. Uh, you know, there, there's no wasting time in shuffling because the, the next deck is ready to go at the push of a button. And um, so, but some people are very superstitious. They think the machine is setting them up to lose, even though the machine has no clue where you're sitting. I'm sure as a, uh, when you used to work as a slot attendant, how many people have told you that they don't put their cards in the machine because the machine knows where they are and oh, yeah. isn't going to let them win? I'm sure you heard that hundreds of times. Not only that, but the the, the things that people do at a machine, like rubbing the, the, the window and uh, tapping on certain things, they have so many different uh, you know, superstitions that it's incredible. And I don't know about you when you worked at, at the aisle when you did that, but at our place, I got to say – in the year and a half that I've been now on both sides of the of the thing on the slot side and doing the poker, at least seven or eight machines have been broken by people punching them. Yeah, you know? yeah. and and that's very expensive. They get arrested if they don't come up with the money. Yeah, for that. but so, but but going back to the uh, the live dealer thing, do actually people say to themselves, "I don't want to play. I don't like online poker, but I will do it if I can see a dealer actually." Uh, it looks like they're dealing the cards, a live person. To be honest with you, Dave, uh, 
I've never heard that. No one's ever even mentioned that to me that that because it hasn't been much of an option prior to what you to our conversation right now. I haven't heard of that being much of an option. Um, but yeah, I, I, I would not doubt that probably good 30, 40 percent of poker players would prefer to see somebody and be able to say, OK, the camera's on them. I can see their hands as they're shuffling. There's no hanky hanky. And the machine, because like I said, you're not hanky, 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 yacky. And no, no yeah. hanky, panky going on okay. in there. You know what I'm saying? Nobody's I want to clarify that. There you go, buddy. Um, but nobody is cheating it as far as because they could see a live person dealing this. They don't understand, you know, that live people could cheat a lot better than machines can for the most part uh, if they're really good at it. Uh, it's just a matter of how comfortable you feel. So as far as from, from uh, a business standpoint, it's faster to have the machines. You're going to make more money in the long run. But guess what? If you're going to piss off 30, 40% of your clientele and eventually drive them away for lack of having a live dealer, yeah, yeah. Well, something, you know, like they say, what is it? Like 20% of something is better than 100% of nothing. So, yeah. you know, you, you're going to go which way. I think it's just more to, to make the gambler and, okay. and the player a little more comfortable. Okay, we do want to talk a little bit about Negreanu versus Polk. It got underway last week, and uh, they're already a thousand hands into it. Uh, Joe uh, saw a little bit of the first day where they had a live game, and of course, Polk is uh, is a tremendous online player, so that kind of uh, didn't give him as much an advantage. And, and Negreanu uh, undertook a big lead in the first two hundred hands that were played at the Aria. But uh, when we come back from our break, we'll talk about that a little bit and the uh, the origin of why these two got into a big thing. But let's take a break here on the show. Uh, we'll come back and do more. You're listening to Poker Action Line, and uh, we'll be back after these messages. This is Poker Action Line. Hi, this is Big Dave from PokerActionLineRadio.com. I want to let all avid poker players know about a great new lottery game that was developed by one of our sponsors, Atlantic West Management Group. This game is now available worldwide on the Internet and will be served as Place Your Chips Caribbean and operated on the Internet as an international lottery by Atlantic West. The Texas Hold'em poker-like game is perfectly legal everywhere and presented as a lottery game with tickets available on the Internet. You can win pick six lottery tickets and cash prizes by using your poker playing skills. It's open to lottery players worldwide, and right now this game is in a play-for-free test mode, and you are not obligated to purchase anything. You can get 50,000 free play chips per ticket for the purpose of evaluating the game with no prizes awarded until the game goes live. The lottery customer can purchase a ticket with a unique number that will grant them entry into one of many Texas Hold'em poker tables with a chip stack and like a lottery game, the prize value will be based on ticket sales. That chip stack will be valid for the remainder of the week as players can access the site as often as they like to try and take the chip lead. At the end of the week, the highest chip stacks will be awarded lottery prizes, and if you lose all your chips, the lottery ticket becomes null and void. As with regular lottery games, you can purchase as many entries as you like. However, each ticket stands on its own merit, and much like the regular lottery, the results of multiple tickets cannot be combined toward a prize. The name of this game is Place Your Chips Caribbean, and you can access a live demonstration of the game right now at www.placeyourchipscaribbean.com. We believe that when it goes live soon, there will be a heavy demand for this game, as most lottery players would much rather have some say in the outcome of their lottery result. Their odds of winning are greatly improved if they're able to utilize their playing skills in order to increase their chances of winning. I hope that you will try the play-for-free demonstration and hope that you will join us 
when the Play For Real game becomes available later this year. From the vantage point, Mafatu saw six war canoes drawn upon the beach, but what held the boy's eyes in awful trance were the figures springing and leaping about the flames, darting, shifting, bounding toward the sky. The eaters of men. Cannibals. Firelight glistened on the royal bodies, on flashing spears and bristling decorations. Mafatu watched the strange scene, powerless to move, and he felt doom itself breathing chill upon his neck. In that very instant, he heard a crashing in the undergrowth. Four figures were tearing toward him through the jungle. He could see them now. He turned and ran blindly down the trail, slipping, sliding, stumbling, his breath all but choking in his throat. Only one thought gave him courage as he ran, his canoe ready and waiting. If only he could reach it before the savages overtook him. Explore new worlds. Find out what happens next by reading the book Call It Courage by Armstrong Sperry. For other great book ideas, visit literacy.gov. A message from the Library of Congress and the Ad Council. Okay, welcome back to the show. Big Dave Lemon, Joe Rodriguez. Joe stepped out just for just a little bit. He'll be back uh, shortly. Uh, I do have one uh, poker hand uh, from a story that I read and wanted to talk about with him. So we'll get to that a little bit later. Uh, we'll also get his thoughts on what he's seen of the Polk Negreanu match. But uh, uh, they did get underway last week on, uh, I think it was Wednesday was the first day. And they played uh, 200 hands at the... Uh, at the Aria, it was a uh, it was a situation where um, they that was the first part of it being live, and then after they got back to it, they would play the rest online from time to time when they could get together and uh, uh, use the uh, uh, blinds 200, 400, uh, 25,000 hands in total, and so this will this will take several months. I would think that we will get into uh, maybe even into 2021 before they finish this thing up. Uh, you can bail out after 20 at 12,500 hands, but we'll see what happens. So uh, there's been some interesting hands, and uh, we'll take a look at a couple of things here. Uh, there's Joe. We can hear you coming back, and uh, we will talk about uh, Polk Negranu. I have a little bit of information that I wanted to pass along to people, and I wanted you to hear it about how this whole thing started. Um, you know, they were playing poker, both were active poker players and Negranu was representing poker stars. And he made some comments, uh, you know, about the rake increase that poker stars put in at the time and really made Polk angry. And so they went back and forth on social media um, you know, verbal uh, warfare basically. And uh, then uh, Polk says, well, let's play this thing out. It's basically like the old macho thing between anybody. If you have an argument with somebody, say, hey, well, let's take it outside. How, where did the argument, I mean, I, I, can you get into a little bit more detail if you have it as to what was said and, and why things no, were said? No, I, I would have to go back and research a little more, but it was basically they went back and forth for a long time, and this was four years ago. Then they played in a tournament uh, out in Vegas, uh, the Super High Roller Bowl, uh, and they just so uh, strangely came and not were, were not only seated at the same table, but Polk was on Negranu's immediate left. So he was <laughs> he was prepared for that. Uh, you know, there was some banter during the game, and and then uh, Polk got up and he had a T-shirt on that he uh, took the shirt off over the top of it. Said, "More rake is better." Uh, 
just just to just to skewer Daniel on it. So uh, uh, that kind of escalated things, and they kept talking about how they should play an event. So nothing really happened until this uh, summer when. Uh, Obviously, Negreanu got married and uh, probably was not out as much playing as much poker. Uh, Polk actually retired from the game for quite a while, but this was living in his head. And he finally kind of escalated and they talked online and started to come together to uh, negotiate what the stakes would be. Uh, So the opening stacks were 40,000. There is an automatic top off after each hand and they play 25,000 dollars or 25,000 hands at 200, 400. So uh, basically people felt that uh, Polk was the online superstar. And at one point it was as high as four to one if you wanted to bet on Negreanu. And a lot of people did because they're big fans of him. So uh, so they got underway last week. And uh, the first 200 hands went to Negreanu, had a big lead at the end of it, $117,000. Uh, you got the chance to see a little bit of what was happening on that, Joe, right? Um, well, actually, I didn't see them playing the hands. I just no, but I mean, you know what happened on uh, some of those. Uh, yeah, I heard Negreanu started off, you know, quickly, uh, right off the very first hand. Uh, and then supposedly after about 70 hands, Negreanu was up. By the time they got to about 140 hands, I think the, the, the tide had kind of changed and Polk had gotten back to about even. And supposedly Negrano just like smoked them the last 60 hands of the first 200. But uh, you you mentioned before the start of the show that Polk is up now about 268 on him. Yeah, they've played 1,000 hands and uh, he has completely turned it around. So we'll get to that in a second. But uh, I just wanted to talk about, you know, you, you had mentioned to me and I, I didn't really see this hand, but that uh, Negrano had flopped a straight uh, in one of the very early hands. But let me go back to the very first hand. And this kind of gives you an idea of, you know, how crazy some of this stuff is. The very first hand... Polk defended the big blind after Negrano had raised a thousand and the flop was King deuce nine of rainbow. Uh, the players checked all the way to the river. I remember the sand now. Yes, go ahead. There was a six of clubs and an eight of spades. Uh, and Negrano was holding King three offsuit and Polk had ace four offsuit. So uh, Negrano bet $1,500 uh, on the river, uh, Polk w- w- raised Raising. him to 8,500 with complete air. And, you know, I don't know. I guess that's kind of setting the tone for the match that he's willing to bluff at any time. Unfortunately, Negreanu did make the call and jumped out to the first lead. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, you know. Holding kings. When you're, when you're playing heads up, there's got a lot of bluffing is going on. You're, you're trying right. to put pressure – Depending on position, obviously, and, um, you know, Negrano supposedly, according to how I read the article, took a little bit of time to think about it and then made the call with top pair, very bad kicker. Yeah. Yeah, So exactly. that was uh, that was very interesting. That's, that's, that's how this is probably going to go for however many thousands of hands they decide to play before they stop. Right, exactly. Well, the latest, uh, here's the latest news. They played uh, throughout the weekend and have put in a thousand hands, but that's, of course, you know, that's just a drop in the bucket. They got to go a long way to play, uh, but uh, Polk turned it around. He won uh, 
385,000 over the next 800 hands to reverse things and now has a 268,000 lead. Uh, really, I don't have any uh, too many hands to talk about through there. Let me see if I can find something here that's interesting. Um, there was one hand where uh, uh, Daniel had ace queen against Doug's pocket queens. Uh, the flop was uh, 8858. Negranu floated the turn with 97 of clubs. The board was 8858, and then the river was a nine. Uh, so he he was looking pretty good on that, but ran into Polk. pocket aces for Polk. So, uh, you know, he's had some bad luck as well. Oh, wait, this one, this one had pocket aces, not pocket queens? Pocket aces. Okay. All right. Well, listen, that's just you, you got to learn how to play those. Uh, <laughs> like I said, these are two great players, Dave. Uh, this is going to be, you know, gamesmanship. <clears throat> and like you said, a thousand hands is a drop in the bucket. You know, Daniel Daniel isn't a Hall of Famer for, for no reason at all. And I'm sure he'll make adjustments as it goes on. Uh, look how well Polk adjusted to what happened. You know, you got to learn when you can bluff your opponent, when you can't, because apparently in the first 200, Daniel picked off a couple of big bluffs that uh, the Polk right. tried to do. Right. So, you know, <clears throat> top-notch players look at that and, okay, how do I trap them now going for, going? For, you know, if you lose that amount of money but you gain a lot of experience from it and you get information, it doesn't matter. You'll you'll get it back later on. And this is, to me, this is going to be like two great boxers who know how to counterpunch each other, you know, waiting to land a haymaker there, you know. Right. If, uh, if, if one of them gets uh, nuts and the other one gets second nuts, that's that's the dream hand for, for whoever's holding the nuts because you're going to get your opponent when your head's up to put all, all his chips in there. But, uh, you know, you're talking about two great poker players, and to me, I equate this to a, to a really good boxing match. We've yeah. probably only seen – the first or second round of a of a fifteen round uh, title bout. So. Yeah, absolutely. And and the one thing we didn't see, if, you, if people thought this was going to be nothing but a uh, uh, smack talk fest, uh, there hasn't been that much of that because I think a lot of that is because they played uh, live for the first two hundred hands, and you know. It's easy to talk smack uh, uh, on Twitter, but when you're sitting at the table with somebody, you're not going to be that nasty. <laughs> I equate that to how comedians tell you. You know how when road rage hits you in your car, the guys, the guys a good half a block away. You're like, you son! And all of a sudden, you catch a red light. You get up there and you go, "This guy's such a jerk." <laughs> <laughs> you, you're not, you're not as animated as you were when the guy was far away from you. So, uh, I don't think either one's going to be afraid. Uh, you know, hopefully, it's they'll be respectful. But that's part of the fun of this. You know, when you have a feud, I mean, you know, hopefully there'll be some good. Uh, I've always been entertained by Daniel. I don't know how much you've seen of Polk, but I haven't seen a whole lot. But, uh, you know, Daniel, you know, insight into poker, into people's minds, for me, was always very fascinating for all these, you know, last 15, 20 years that I've been watching him play. Yeah, for sure. Uh, Polk did make a few comments about uh, the early uh, action. He said, uh, he said, I I'll say that uh, he's run a little below expectations over this first thousand hands. Uh He's obviously running bad in a bunch of standard cooler spots. And he did say he thought that Negreanu's game does have some issues. 
But he also noted that uh, although Negrano was down 268,000, it's a very standard swing given the stakes and the sample size. He said just because the number is big doesn't mean he's down that much. He's down just a little under seven buy-ins, and that is completely normal over a 1,000 hands of heads at play. Think about that, Dave. Seven buy-ins, okay? That's uh, that's a lot of money for you and I there, right there, buddy. Um, it's interesting, you know. Notice how he mentioned that he got caught in a couple of cooler situations. Uh, sometimes you get caught in those cooler situations where you realize, damn it, if I had played it a little differently, my opponent might have thrown his hand away before I let him catch up to me uh, and pass me. Um, which, you know, for the average poker player and the below average poker players sometimes puts you on tilt. So yeah. not having not having seen how these hands have played out, there's no way I'm ever going to make a comment about either one of these two great players. Yeah. There was a, there was one hand that uh, the player named Thomas Keeling, who's a former video editor for Polk, uh, he synced up uh, one of the hands with an edited version of uh, Negreanu's blow-up this summer when he had internet problems that we talked a lot about. So it was kind of funny that they actually had a real hand and then the ground blowing up on it. So uh, they're, they're having some fun with it and I, I'm going to check it out this week and we'll talk a little more about it next week. Hi, very good. David. It's going to be interesting. I really, I, like I said, I looked it up because I was interested in this particular, this, this, this particular match interests me. I love to see great players play. And like I said, I've always been a big boxing fan, uh, boxing fan uh, person. And uh, to me, this is what this feels like, like a heavyweight fight. Right. Some of the latest news about online poker. Uh, Michigan uh, is coming. We know that. Uh, it's going to happen. It's very possible that they could be live around Thanksgiving weekend. So uh, that would be very interesting. Also, we're still waiting, and this could go into next year. But uh, Pennsylvania adding supposedly a couple of new sites uh, to compete against uh, uh, poker stars. So uh, it looks like WSOP.com won't arrive until next year. And there's still some question marks about party poker, what will happen here. So uh, then again, um, we'll see what happens Uh, on a national level. Uh, the Wire Act case was probably not going to get any kind of ruling here. It was supposed to come right after the election, but one of the three judges hearing the case, uh, Judge Toruella, actually died last wow. Monday. He was 87 years old and he passed away, so I don't know what that does to the case. Uh, it depends on uh, how close they were to making a decision, they say. So uh, we'll see what happens, but that uh, throws a real monkey wrench into things. And, and this case was, again, for what, Dave? You broke up just this, as you were starting to. This was about the Wire Act. Uh, that, uh, they were supposed to rule on uh, the case there and uh, whether the, the future of online gambling basically based on it. So uh, This is the one from UEFA, no, back in 2006 or 2005? No, this, this, this was a lawsuit uh, run by uh, New Hampshire, the state of New Hampshire that kind of had some lottery lottery implications. And, uh, you know, it, it, they heard this case back in June and said they would issue a verdict uh, probably right after the election. So uh, they'll, we'll see what happens. Uh, it looked like they were headed for a ruling in favor of the state of New Hampshire and that uh, it would wipe out any kind of uh, restoration of the Wire Act. Okay. So, so what happened now that you said this 
Judge. Unfortunately, well, we're still waiting. Away. We're still waiting to hear. We don't know how far along they were in their deliberations. Um, there is a precedent for a judge's vote being counted posthumously, uh, although the Supreme Court had a problem with that. Uh, so we're waiting to see. It just depends on how long they were. So uh, I don't think they would have to rehear the case all over again. But we'll see what happens. But it could have also an influence on uh, what's going to happen with the Michigan online poker case. Well, interesting stuff. Interesting stuff. Yeah. So we'll see. Okay, let's look at this hand that I wanted to check out here. Um, by the way, Pennsylvania, I read, was reading this story. Their first anniversary of launching their online poker uh was September, or I'm sorry, November the 4th. So uh, they are currently running a uh, series to celebrate that. The main event takes place on November 15th with a $100 buy-in. And uh, they have made it a year. It's kind of amazing. Yeah, I mean, that's that's wonderful. The November 4th, that was, what, that was my surgery date last week. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, good for them. Uh, okay, the well, numbers have been at, great too, haven't they? Online, uh, they've been doing very well. But then, as I mentioned, they're uh, they don't have a lot of competition right now. Anyway, let's take a look at this hand. This is for for a WSOP Gold Bracelet online this summer, and uh, the player sharing the information was a player named Ryan Lang. Uh, he has the online name of Adopt the Doggo, and I wanted to just discuss this hand with you because. Uh, you had mentioned to me earlier that you know that there was one hand where Negreanu had flopped a straight, and I was curious in finding it. I did not find it, but I was wondering how he played that because that's always interesting to me is how you play that, how you maximize your winnings on a hand if you do, or if you play it too slowly, you're going to end up getting beat sometimes, especially if someone has – Ends cool. up having the, uh, the Co- top coincidentally, end. two of the hands that, that that I read about Daniel, both cases occurred. Really, both cases occurred. He slow played a straight that allowed his opponent to get into a bigger straight, and uh, but he did maximize the ten queen hand where he had the flop had come eight nine jack. What was lucky for him was he was hoping that his opponent had caught a piece of that flop, which he did. And best thing for scenario uh, for Daniel was the fact that um, his opponent got his second pair, if I'm not mistaken, on the river. So, you know, the guy had two pairs and, uh, you know, Daniel was sitting there with the, with the nut straight from, from the flop. So that allowed him, I would imagine, to maximize as much as he could out of that hand. Uh, you know, and then there was a different hand that they described later on that Daniel had gotten a straight. But as the board kept putting more cards into that straight, his opponent beat him with a higher straight. Yeah. Well, here was this hand here. This is down when they're down to three players. They're playing for a gold bracelet. Uh, you know, you're talking about 130000 for first and I think sixty for third. So uh, a decent amount of money, but mainly the idea is to win the bracelet. So yeah. uh, they're playing this hand here. And uh, the, our hero here has uh, – Eight six offsuit in the big blind. Um, the, one of the players folds. Uh, his opponent uh, f- 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 makes three times the uh, pot for um, for an initial bet, and uh, 
Lang says, I can assume he's fairly stronger than he would be if there weren't any implications due to ICM. He said, I don't want to three-bet him here because that would make it really easy for him to four-bet stuff on me, especially with unpaired high-card hands that I can get him to fold later on in the hand. So just folding pre-flop is too tight, even though he should have a fairly strong range here. I, I want to put a ton of pressure on him. And that makes this a pure call. So uh, on the flop, it's a dream flop for Ryan. He flops nine, seven, five rainbow. <laughs> yes, that is a dream flop. So the, his opponent leads half the pot, a uh, $1 million bet. I expect him to shut down uh, with his unpaired high cards at a decent frequency here. So when he bets, I think he's going to wind up being heavily weighted towards value. He has over pairs, the best nines, or all the sets, whatever he has. I want to start raising now, give him a chance to get it in. So I went with a smaller raise size going 2.6 times, but I'm sure unsure about it in hindsight. He goes, I'm going to stick with my read that he's very unbalanced and weighted toward value here. And he called the, the raise, which leaves him with 1.25 times the size pot heading into the turn. Uh, first of all, let me ask you, do you think that you normally want to slow play this or do you want to just win the hand and get him out of there? Well, the guy raised into you on, I, I would imagine since you said one person folded on me and he was either the button or the small blind. Right. Um, so the small blind got out of the way. You just, you just called the, the pre-flop raise. You hit it. You checked to him. He came out firing. At this point, it, it, if you raise him, it looks like maybe you're trying to steal it from him. And like he thought, my thinking is, man, I hope this guy has an overpair because then he may push it all in. Once he called, I would assume that what did he have left, you said, in his stack once he called the uh, check raise? About about a million and change or, yeah. or 1.2 what was in the pot? 1.25 the pot. Times of the pot. So he still had about six, seven million dollars. Right. Okay. Um, but at this point, he's invested, you know, whatever, three million dollars into that pot. It's going to be hard for him to lay that hand down, uh, you know, unless he's got a great read on his opponent. So I like that. You know, um, I like that that raise that 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 will keep him in there. And again, if a really bad card comes out like a deuce or a three that it's not expected to have helped you. It will allow him to make another call into you if you come out betting. Okay. Well, I, I told you the, uh, the, uh, the turn was a six of spades. The second not a, spade, not a good, not a good, there. not a good card for him both ways. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, he said, uh, he came to the river, and it was Nightmare. It was the Eight of Diamonds, which completed the straight on the board. Right, which now he's got a dead hand. I mean, not a dead hand. He's got to pray his opponent doesn't have a 10 in his hand. Right. That's what he's figuring out here. And uh, he said uh, he could have pocket 10s in his range. He goes, it's not in my range, but it could be in his. And the only 10 that I have uh, he's, that I could have here is, is a jack 10, and that's at a very small frequency. And he said, uh, for these reasons, I think that Nick made a mistake by not shoving. Which is another option to do just in case a six or an eight comes on the turn. 
because now you've just you know now 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 the strength of your hand has gotten very weak and like you said both both worst case scenarios occurred when one a second spade came up and now put four to the straight and once the straight was completed you know uh how did the betting how did the betting go there you know how did the betting go did, did his opponent go all in after that uh his his, his opponent checked and uh, they checked it down then yeah all right, so neither one of them had a 10. Right. As so, it turns out, his opponent, I'll tell you right now, had pocket kings. What did I tell you? Yeah, now, exactly. if, he had pushed, if he had pushed all in, possibly on the turn, he gets his, his opponent to either make a very bad call or, or, very good, or a very good lay down because he could only tie that hand. Yeah. Worst case scenarios happen. But you know what, Dave? You know, when you play this over the course of time, the way he played that handout will get you, you know, more money, more chips over the long haul than than this particular instance. You know the way the the way the hand played out. Yeah, well, but if he was able to win scenario, the hand, they said that he probably would have won the bracelet. But as it turns out, they chopped the pot, and uh, uh, the other player, Nick, ended up beating him. Nick Binger is the player, and he ended up beating him for the bracelet later on. But this whole point for the story is basically that you you can't sit there and worry about things that you did there. Uh, some people would let it haunt them forever. He says, I say just forget about it and move on to the next hand. That, yep, and and like one of my favorite sayings when I used to do something like that, and I, I did everything correctly, but, but my opponent still wound up winning the hand. I go, the operation was a success, but the patient, the patient died, died anyway. Yeah, so, so that's there's nothing you could do. I, I think he did, outside of maybe pushing it on the turn, okay, and he was still good there because his, his opponent could only tie him, you know? So, again, I, I listen, this was just bad circumstances in yeah. my opinion. No, yeah, it's, it's nice to go in hindsight, be a Monday morning quarterback and say, oh, if he had pushed all in, that guy would have had to have folded his kings because he would have had to put him on a set or two pairs. You, we don't know that. We don't know that. You know, okay. so that's how it is. Yeah. Well, I thought it was interesting. And uh, basically, there's a lesson to be learned there on keeping yourself under control and not destroying the yeah. tournament for yourself. So anyway, that's going to do it for today's show. We appreciate you being with us. And uh, Joe, I appreciate your work fighting through some uh, – uh, less than stellar circumstances. Yes, and uh, Joe Casella, thank you for your input at the top of the show and also for getting us on the air. We appreciate it, as usual. We hope you'll join us next week. You can always pick us up on all the regular places that you get your podcasts, including uh, Spotify and SoundCloud. Uh, we hope you'll stick around uh, week to week. Maybe uh, subscribe to the show, and then you'll get a notice, and uh, you can join us every week. Big Dave Lemon, Joe Rodriguez, and Joe Costello saying so long. We'll see you next week on another edition of Poker Action Line. The views and opinions of the hosts, guests, or callers are not necessarily those of the station, its owners, advertisers, or agencies. 